Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. It was some ten chapters ago in Luke's Gospel that we read that Jesus set his face like a flint. Set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. Why did he need to set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem? Well, Jesus set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem because he was going there to confront a temple that had become corrupt. A temple that had become corrupt in two pretty important ways. First, this temple had become a seat for religious nationalism. It fomented rebellion amongst the Jewish people that was doomed to failure from the outset. None of their schemes had any chance of overthrowing the brutal Roman oppression. And second, the temple, in fact the whole religious institution itself had become corrupt. The system had kind of morphed into this cash cow through its system of temple taxes. So so Jesus set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem because he was going to confront religious corruption. And as you probably know, in confronting that corruption and cleansing the temple, he unleashed a chain of events that would lead to his untimely death and a state-sponsored execution. Signed his own death warrant. Now Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus this morning occurs just before he enters Jerusalem. Jesus is in Jericho. Now, now Jericho was a very wealthy commercial centre in the Jordan Valley, renowned for its date palms and balsam groves. There were two major highways in Israel at that time, and one of them went right through Jericho. Jericho, therefore, was one of the great taxation hubs of Palestine. Zacchaeus is chief tax collector in Jericho was both very rich and roundly despised. From the, from the time of Julius Caesar, you see that the options for collecting Romans, Rome's taxes were auctioned off to the highest bidder in each municipality. To win the bid, the prospective tax collector would have to pay Rome in advance all the taxes that were due. Next, The tax collector would go and hire agents who would help in collecting the taxes so he could recruit his initial investment, pay off his agents, and make a tidy profit as well. So because these tax collectors exhorted sizable amounts of interest, in addition to the taxes fixed by Rome, their townsfolk regarded them as collaborators and as downright thieves. They were loathed, they were ostracized. That's Zacchaeus. Now it's the Passover. Tens of thousands of Jewish pilgrims were traveling, are traveling down from Galilee, bypassing Samaria and arriving at the toll booth in Jericho to pay their dreaded taxes. 
Now, I might have mentioned, Jesus is in Jericho. And by this time, he's famous. And folk in Jericho want to see him, including Zacchaeus. Only there are people everywhere. Zacchaeus can't risk being seen in public. And we read that he's short in stature. I guess for him, desperation trumps dignity. As unseemly as it would be for a district tax commissioner, Zacchaeus clambers up a sycamore tree. He perches on a wider branch hidden by the leaves. And you probably know the rest of the story. Zacchaeus, whose name in Hebrew, incidentally, probably means the righteous or the pure or the innocent one, is not quite as adept at going undercover as he thought he was. As Jesus is passing the tree, he glances up. Zacchaeus, pure one, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Well, Zacchaeus is down in a heartbeat and he, he's delighted to welcome him. Of course, his fellow Jerichoites are seriously bent out of shape, grumping in Eugene Peterson's words in the message, what business does Jesus have getting cosy with this crook? Well, Zacchaeus, in his joy, tells Jesus that he will give half of his possessions to the poor, way beyond the 10% the Jewish rabbis would counsel, and that he would repay four times the amount of anyone he has defrauded. Again, far in excess of the actual amount plus 20%, which was generally prescribed. And Jesus concludes, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Now, as David Lowe's points out, often we read the story about Jesus and Zacchaeus as a story about repentance. Jesus seeks out Zacchaeus, this vilified district tax commissioner. Zacchaeus is blown away by Jesus' attention, repents of his sins and promises to make amends. And Jesus then tells Zacchaeus that salvation has come to this house. All sounds pretty clear. Only, neither Jesus nor Zacchaeus in this story talk about sin. It's the crowd that does. They're the ones who call Zacchaeus a sinner when they complain about the company that Jesus keeps. And perhaps even more importantly, if we have a closer look at verse 8, there's a pretty good chance that Zacchaeus is already giving away half his possessions to the poor and he's already paying back four times any amount he or his agents may have ripped off when Jesus calls out to him. You see, it's the present tense, not the future tense in the Greek. Not, not I will give to the poor, 
But I give to the poor. Not, not I will pay back four times the amount, but I pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus seems to be already doing it. So perhaps the key to this story is not so much about sin and repentance, rather it's more about sight, about seeing and about being seen. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He's short and he can't risk being seen by the crowd, so he climbs a tree. Jesus stops beneath that tree and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And because he sees Zacchaeus, he invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. He sees Zacchaeus for who Zacchaeus can be. When so many of Zacchaeus' fellow townsfolk both loathe and shun him. I really enjoy Frederick Beekner, and he has this description of Zacchaeus. He's a sawed-off little social disaster with a big bank account and a crooked job, but Jesus welcomes him aboard anyway. And that's why he reminds you of all the others too. You know, there's Aaron whooping it up with a golden calf the moment his brother's back is turned, and there's Jacob conning everyone, including his dad. Then there's Jael driving a tent bag through the head of an overnight guest and Rahab, the first of the red-hot mummers. There's Nebuchadnezzar with his taste for roasting the opposition and Paul holding the lynch mob's coats as they go to work on Stephen. There's Saul the paranoid and David the stud and those mealy-mouthed friends of Job's who probably would have succeeded in boring him to death if Yahweh hadn't stepped in just in the nick of time. And then there are the ones who betrayed the people who loved them best, such as Absalom and poor old Peter, such as Judas even. Like Zacchaeus, they're all of them peculiar as hell, to put it quite literally. And you can't help feeling that, like Zacchaeus, they're all of them somehow treasured too. And why are they treasured? Who knows? But maybe you can say at least this about it, that they're treasured less for who they are and for what the world has made them than for what they have it in them at their best to be. Because ultimately, of course, it's not the world that made them at all. All the earth is mine, says Yahweh, and all that dwell therein, adds the 24th Psalm. And in the long run, presumably, that goes for you and me too. Luke is the gospel writer who reminds us how much Jesus cares about those on the margins. All obligation begins with noticing persons, as the Catholic moral philosopher Robert Spayman notes. Time and again, in Luke's gospel, Jesus 
notices those whom society has cast aside. Jesus sees them, seeks them out, spends time with them. He treats them with dignity and he treats them with respect. It's what we strive for by God's grace at Cathedral Cafe. And sure, that can be offensive, both to the crowds in Zacchaeus' day, and if we're being honest, at times with us too. That is, until we are the ones who've been ignored or rejected. Whether it's because of our own actions or those of others, or whether it's because of loss or illness, or whether it's because of our age, or race, or gender, or sexuality. Whenever we're feeling unwanted, invisible, on the outside looking in, that's when we, like Zacchaeus, need a God who sees us, who seeks us out, and who promises to bring each one of us home. Without exception, the same one about to enter Jerusalem and to pay the ultimate price of his love for you and me. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier, amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.